All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could even be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us are not just salespeople. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm gonna share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right. Um, safe to say, you know, this person I met at a learning conference last year, at the end of last year, and I was drawn to her just from stage, from from her first presentation. And safe to say, if you're in learning development, you're going to see this person on many stages, many conferences throughout the year. She is certainly an L&D rock star. Um, I might make her blush with that, but she is the CEO of Torrance Learning, which uh, really stands for Chief Energy Officer, and you'll see why in a second. She brings over two decades of consulting, instructional design, project management experience to, to the team. You know, she facilitates tons of workshops in L&D and leads tons of projects. She's an expert on lots of different types of instructional design capabilities. And um, I, I just love talking to her. She also gardens, hikes, and plays ice hockey. So maybe we can talk about that to her. Please welcome none other than Megan Torrance to the podcast. Welcome, Megan. Hey, thank you. Some intro. <laughs> thank you. Well, Megan, you know, we were talking before, like, it's it's funny. I feel like there's so many different positions in the workplace that a lot of people aren't really familiar, too familiar, like what people do and, you know, what exactly is this and kind of people's roads. So like, I know your your background was originally in like communication and organizational design, and now you're, you know, helping L&D leaders craft learning and development strategies and learning experiences and and all sorts of things. And so a lot of people may not realize what that is, but a lot of what you're doing are no different than what a traditional salesperson is doing in the fact of really connecting to learners. And as a CEO, obviously, there's tons of experiences where you have to you know, really connect on a human level with people. So I, I like to just kind of start out with this question. When you think of this term, I'd love to like get your definitions of it is, Megan, when I say the term to you, sell something and sell it by being human, what like does that bring to mind to you and, and how might you define doing that? You know, Alex, it's the, the, the human part that appeals to me, right? It's the, how do we connect as, as individuals with, with needs and and how do we change right so sales and learning are, are are is about behavior change right how do you um affect behavior change in a way ideally that's positive and uplifting for all parties involved right and so that that human aspect is I mean, I think lots of people have had experiences. Actually, I used to be one of those people who'd like chase you down in the mall to get you to fill out a survey, which was really a sales thing, right? Like I'm trying to convince you to fill out my survey. I'm earning commission on every survey. I was one of those people. And, um, but we would chase people, l literally almost chase people down. Yes. And yeah. that's not selling human, right? Um, <laughs> that that's pushing something that somebody doesn't want um, and guilting them into investing with their time. And so that that humanness is how do I solve a problem that you have? Yeah. 
it's so well put. And I, I, I love, like, I could talk about this forever too, because, you know, I feel like, I don't feel bad for them, but I feel like their, their approaches could be so different, right? Because it's like, you know, like I've been in that situation on the other end. I've been that person trying to like fill something out or whatever. And it's tough. Like nobody, nobody wants to like, oh yeah, I'm going to go buy this shirt in the mall. I didn't go to the mall specific, like I didn't drive 30 minutes to the mall to fill out a Greenpeace survey or whatever to like sign up, even though I do care about the dolphins or I do care about forest deforestation or whatever, like, and, but like the person that's doing it, if it's just like, Hey, come here, like, you know, or, Hey, I got something or like a tricking you into something like, Hey, you love dolphins, right? Like, come here, I have something for you. And it's like, no, you, you want me to fill out this thing or whatever and give $5, just say it or whatever. And and you're going to find somebody that's like, Oh yeah, like you're donating for this. Like I got five minutes, I'll talk to you about it or something like that. Um, but I, I keyed on one thing you said, like, just like, you know, you're thinking about like a behavior change and there is change involved, but you're like meeting someone on an individual level. So individuals have different needs you know there's not one approach for everyone and you're trying to read people so you know maybe help me understand like what interested you about going into you know the field and maybe explain to people kind of um you know where you you know started your career and kind of where you are now and kind of what what appealed to you about you know creating experiences with learners and connecting them and making them really get excited because no you know people are go Megan, do people really get excited about taking e-learning or taking no. training? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that and 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 I don't know if that's possible or not. But how do you view it? How do you view because you have to get people like wanting like like there is a thing called boring, just flat out d like like training that is um, like not engaging and people disengage right from the jump and it's not relevant because I heard you on a podcast too you know, about people not having patience. So yeah, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what got you interested in it and maybe how you think about it uh, today and designing those experiences. So it's, it's funny. There's a term, um, Cami Bean actually has a book, uh, second edition. It's a better one. Uh, it's coming out, uh, this spring, um, called the accidental instructional designer. And that's how a lot of people in corporate learning got their start. Okay. Um, and uh, fortunately, now there are a lot more programs to that and 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 rigor around it. Um, but a lot of people are accidental instructional designers, um, and I say that. And at the same time, it's almost like um, this. This was my my family upbringing. So I had a grandmother who didn't like if all of her hobbies she also taught. Like there wasn't a single thing that she learned that she didn't also then turn around and start teaching. So she learned how to make these rugs and then she was teaching rugs and she like, you know, had a kid in Girl Scouts. Next thing she is leading Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and all this stuff. She, um, you know, learned how to ride horses. So then she is teaching other people how to ride horses. Right. Um, and so from awesome. high school, uh, I would, you know, one night she's like, Hey, Megan, there's somebody here. Will you go give them a riding lesson? I'm like, yeah, sure. Right. So, um, that's what we do. My father was, uh, was a newspaper editor and, um, teaching editing and reporting on the side, right? So we have this like teaching thing in our family, mm. um, not K-12, not schools, but um, adults, workforce, um, skill sets kind of thing. Um, that's not what I went to school for. I went into school for, for, for communication, very quickly realized that I needed a business degree in order to actually make any money uh, in communication and connected those two around processes and, um, and change management and 
along the way, somebody said, yeah, a big part of change management is training. So we'll teach you that too. Um, so that, that's, that's great. I ended up doing a bunch of work in accounting. So I was working for Anderson Consulting, which is now Accenture and Arthur Anderson, which is now defunct. Um, and, um, doing a bunch of projects around shared services, right? So how do we bring together large scale, usually back office processing? Um, it, it required process change, technology change, platforms, um, and training people, right? How to, how to work with something new and building new teams. Um, the last one of those projects that I had was, um, a implementation for a learning management system. Uh, for a large organization, it was that organization's first learning management system. It was the software company's first learning management system. I was, it was my first learning management system. Um, and that's really how the, the L&D thing started. And, and I'll even kind of like for this broader audience, L&D meaning learning and development, not labor and delivery, which is another common use of L&D. So just clearing that up. Yeah. No babies today. Do you, you know, um, like I feel like uh, like like when you pass along something, just passing passing along knowledge, like you're probably like you, you, you were somebody that like saw that at home and and kind of took that through your career. So like, do you find that like your parents were doing that to 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 you know really gain more knowledge of it of them for themselves, or do you feel like it? maybe it was like maybe some something intrinsic in them and that they just want to pass along. They wanted to kind of like spread the wealth of what they, they got to a place with knowledge. And then, you know, they wanted to, you know, kind of not like, you know, hoard it or share it with them. Like what was the motivation you think of your parents to, to like go as far as teaching? Cause we all learn things on a daily basis, but it's a rare few that actually want to, you know, pass that along in, in a role, like, you know, head of Girl Scouts or teaching, and you know, writing, instructing. So, you know, it's, that's a good question. That would be a really good question over dinner sometime. Uh, why, why do you do this? Um, I know, you know, there, there, there's a couple things, right? It, it's, um, it's a, a sharing and an abundance, right? So sharing a passion for something that you yeah. love, yeah. right? You know, I, you mentioned hockey, right? I was playing hockey and my kids started playing hockey. And it's like, well, gosh, I can help out here and share something I love with all these little cute little kids who think hockey is cool. Um, and so, you know, I think there's that, 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 the excitement and fueling it, that kind of love of the game kind of thing. Um, and on the side, it is a fantastic excuse to continue diving, diving in and learning more. Right. And I know that particularly in my own, like let's take ho hockey coaching, right. When I was coaching, like, I got to think more deeply about how and why and break things down into smaller bits um, and go back to some of those basics in the process of teaching that helps me um, be a better player. Yeah. I'm not that great a player. Let's just be really honest. <laughs> yeah. When I hear you say that, um, you know, like a, a lot, a big part of what I do in, in, in sales and any, you know, really professional sellers, like in solving problems, right? You can only know so much about it from like getting to a, a certain like, you know, bar of your learning of that problem. So there, there, there's maybe one level, but then like, like you said, going deeper in it, there, that problem, that overarching problem you're trying to solve 
exhibits itself so many so many different ways in different people because we're all so different and nuanced in nuanced ways right so like you go deeper into it by like having conversations with people like megan i'm sure there's probably i'm, I'm just I, I have to like just guess in your business you, there's common problems that instructional designers have but then you probably like i have to imagine maybe you see new ways that those things show, show themselves or things you're like, I didn't even know that problem existed or maybe that part of that problem existed before asking you a certain question. So I don't know how you kind of find that in, in, in what you do, but that's kind of, you know, taking that mindset of like always wanting to like understand how other people are, you know, addressing maybe a problem that you're um, seeking to, to, to solve. I don't know yeah. what you think about that. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting because what, what comes to mind when you say that is uh, so um, because I also like following the family tradition here, right? Teaching something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I, I teach is is agile for instructional designers, right? How I wrote a book on it, I teach workshops on it, um, and I love that because it helps it helps me share something I'm passionate about, right? Um, it helps other people do better at their jobs, and when they ask questions about like, well, how would you handle this situation? Um, I get to dig back in and think, well, how have I handled that? And how would we? And if I don't know, then we get to like crowdsource and swarm and 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 have a good time trying to figure that answer out. Um, and even to the point where, so I've been teaching, gosh, almost for a decade, right? Um, this the the a foundational course on agile for instructional designers. And last year, a bunch of the leaders who have been bringing me in to teach this workshop had said, hey, you know, we'd, we'd really like to go a little deeper. And I thought, well, what, what does that mean? And they're like, well, we want to find out what other people are doing and we want to share and we've got issues and problems and challenges that, you know, your, your base level stuff, Megan, just doesn't touch. And so we're actually creating a learning community for these leaders who are leading teams using Agile project management in their instructional design. And so um, we're, we're, we're bringing in like, deeper dives on the tactics, but also like pulling in strategic different concepts that involve both leading and learning and, and, and making that applicable in the agile context. And um, just that the exuberance of that community and that, you know, you had mentioned um, uh, before the show, we were talking about the, the, the learning from others being a really compelling part of how as adults we learn. Um, well, and as kids, <laughs> but how, how humans learn. And so uh, I'm actually really excited for that. And it's an opportunity for me to get to learn from all of that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's so true because like, uh, yeah, we were talking before this, like, you know, I, I just realized just being in, in, in person, like now, like just, you know, coming off of the pandemic, like more and more, you know, companies are kind of like straddling the line of being in person with a lot of things or virtual. And I'm just, you know, it's just, it's just a different thing when you can just, you know, conversations can go a lot of different ways in person and you have more time with people and just stories can be shared in small groups and things like that in ways that like you just can't get um, virtually. And um, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I, I'm curious. Like, you're probably doing more in-person teaching now than you have over the years. Um, and I'm curious, like, as a as a you know as an instructor and a teacher, like, what are you know what are things that you like 
missed from the pandemic of being in person? What are some things that you found maybe in learning um, and being in a room and, and seeing change ca- take place? Like what are like some things that as a, a teacher on that side um, that you, yeah, just um, were, were missing from the pandemic and, and you're grateful now that you have the ability to do in person? Can you think of anything? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because the pandemic, um, there, there were some benefits to the ways in which work changed during the pandemic, right? Um, I didn't have to hop on a plane and be away from my family and nobody else had to hop on a plane and be away from their, yeah. their family, um, which also, right? Which means it brought down the cost of, of, of access. Um, it broke down barriers for people who have, um, disabilities or small children or can't fly from, you know, around the world into a, a, a space to have a live class. Um, so there's a lot of benefit to the online. And what we did online, you could record instantly and make available for people who weren't there. Um, or to make, uh, it, it, for example, a lot of the, the online tools enabled instant audio transcription, right? Or, and closed captioning, um, which then provides even more accessibility. So there's lots of goodness for the online. Um, when things started coming back into person, um, it was just so like joyous and exuberant. I remember my, um, my first class, it was a group, um, at Idaho National Labs and it was, it was actually a hybrid, hybrid group. Um, so there were about half a dozen people who were, um, zoomed in or teams in. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody else, we had about 20 people in the room. And they hadn't seen each other for the entire pandemic. And they were just like so excited to be yeah. together and to eat together. And, and and it was interesting what occurred to me. So this is a really long way of getting to your yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. Right? What occurred to me is that the content delivery itself is probably about the same, right? And there are pros and cons either way, right? Um, but it was that, that inter- interstitial, like what happens on the breaks and that person-to-person connection. Um, that when you're on an online event, the, in the breaks, you meet yourself, you turn off your camera, you go get a beverage, right? Or you go to the bathroom or you just take the, you know, you let the dog out or whatever it is, you do your email in, when you're in person, when the trainer stops talking, you're talking to your buddy and you're finding out what else is going on with somebody's life and, and you're sharing pictures, you know, it was just a very different vibe. Um, and I'm still seeing, I'm seeing it with our own team. So our team is remote at Torrance Learning. Uh, when we bring them all together, it's just, it's like boost of vitality. It's really exciting. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, 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 I noticed the same things. Like I, I started uh, my uh, job during the pandemic and I didn't meet the person who hired me or anyone on my team. And I was on multiple teams, multiple managers for like a year and a half. And, you know, <laughs> when I finally met people after a first year and a half, I just remember putting a name like I was standing at Las Vegas airport with just like one of those names like, you know, Docebo. And then people came down and like we rushed each other and like hugged each other. It was like crazy like to see like you exist. You're in person. I've talked to you like numerous times on a Zoom and even people that I never met. I just saw their avatars. Um, I was like hugging and high fiving and we were just like instantly bonded. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's so funny that you mentioned that. Um, so, you know. All right. Tell me a little bit about what you do on a daily basis. Um, a lot of people may not know kind of, you know, just all the different things that you're doing to to kind of like 
you know, kind of elicit change. And some people th- hear that word like, okay, like change is kind of like, you know, that that's a little scary to me. Um, like you said in the beginning, like chasing someone down in a mall, that's that's definitely change, you know, but like, I'm sure there's like time, times you were successful. And then there's like some people that are, you know, super successful and they're okay about getting said no to a hundred times and, you know, just doing it in a way that, you know, you can, um, you know, that, that feels human to the person, you know, regardless if it's a no or a yes or whatever, it just, the approach is human. So talk to me about your approach, maybe, um, because you're doing both things, obviously running a business is a whole other thing about, you know, tasks, uh, creating change. And then as a teacher and instructors, designer and working with clients, you're, you know, I mean, so many different things. So um, maybe for, take it from both sides and help people understand a little bit about what you do on a, I know that there's no typical day, but like what your, what, what your work day looks like in a, in a week and, and what are some of the things you're doing to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, um, bring about change? Yeah. And I think, Keep track of me. I think there's three layers to that question. Right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, in yeah. my in in my day to day as an instructional designer, right, or a learning designer, um, what I'm really trying to do is is connect um, connect with learners with where they find a compelling reason to change their behavior. Mm. Right? And if, if you think about somebody on the job who um, is doing a thing. Actually, we're talking just today, actually, we're talking about a, a, a client where um, they've got, uh, they, they came to us and they said, our people are like, everybody runs this particular manufacturing line differently. Right. And, and that's a problem for them. That's a, a risky, right? say a risky, very risky problem. Right? Yeah. Right. It's expensive. It's risky. It's leading to high turnover, low product yeah. quality, low product output. There's a lot of compelling yeah. reasons here. Right. Um, and so everybody's, um, really excited about the possibility of doing something different, right? And when we get right down to it, the people on the line who are not following procedure, it's not because they're, they want to be a jerk, right? It's not because they want to like do something wrong. It's actually because they're trying to improve it and to figure out what works, right? And they're not trying to sabotage anything. It's that in this particular organization, things aren't necessarily written down or trained in a way that makes sense for people. And so in the moment, people are trying to make sense out of their world and do figure what they do, figure it out, right? So what we're trying to do is to tap into this desire to get it right, right? And the organizations need to have it right, right? And how do we bring that together, right? Mm. Um, mm. And so it's a fantastic challenge. Um, a lot of people think of, of training or teaching as like, I have a this pile of PowerPoint and I need you to, to instill all this knowledge in you, right? Here's my content. I'm going to shove it down your throat. Um, and you will then learn and you will do better on the job, right? Um, and that's not how it works at all, right? In, in fact, what's interesting, and I'm about to speak uh, this, this weekend at the University of Michigan um, to a bunch of um, students in the School of Information, School of Education, and a lot of um, their learning context has been in elementary school and high school and then university, where to them, applying what you learn means like writing a term paper or doing a project. And in the workplace, applying what you learn doesn't happen in the learning environment. It happens on the job, right? And so 
the context is totally different. And in a learning context, we want you to learn more and do more and more learning. And on the job, like, no, we want you to stop learning because once you've learned it, go do it, right? So, so that's my job as an instructional designer. Um, I then have a, a, a job and part of my work, a lot of my work is actually in, I mean, I guess you could call it sales, but it's also solution design and, and visioning of what we can do, right? And so, you know, an organization comes to us and says, hey, we have this manufacturing problem and our people aren't um, uh, following the same procedures. Right? Actually, most, actually, Alex, the funny thing is most people don't come to us with that. Most people come to us and say, I'm not getting, hi, I'd like a 30 minute course on this topic. Yeah, just follow that right away. Articles. I'm like, ah, oh, no, you actually don't want a 30 minute course. Right? So my behavior change, my selling human, my connection with them is to help them connect back to what their purpose is. It's not like you don't want a course. You want people to be better on the job. Maybe a course is your answer. Maybe it's part of your answer. Maybe you fix the problem that causes this in the first place, right? There's lots of different things. So that is always like fun, challenging, um, and a creative part of my, my work. Um, and a lot of, um, I do, I do presentations and whatnot. And then I have this whole business, right? So the third level is this whole business thing, right? And so I have a small company, like 25 people. Um, and, but I am coaching delegating, teaching, supporting, getting out of the way, um, and, and letting them shine. Like that's, that's a big part of my job. And interestingly, sometimes it is just as hard to change a 25 person company as it is to change a 25,000 person. Company. I, I have no doubt about that. Wow. Um, one thing I'm just going to go back to like the, one of the very first things you said, it's like your job is to help connect with learners to, you know, help them see how, so that they see a compelling reason to change not that you're trying to show them like the reason to change or you're not you're not trying to shove something down their throat or you're not like trying to say this is why you know you need to do it a different way right you're just trying to like foster the like the reason or the compelling you know some compelling way to do it differently right because like you said those people they're not trying to sabotage the business right they're just they they're like they're just trying to get through their day and like you know do it do it well and and like you say like figure it out and they're figuring it out on their own because there's no like necessarily direction for everyone so like some guy or woman does it one way and they're like that works that does what we need it to do or we think we need it to but the business disagrees but it's like hey i'm you're paying me to do one thing and to do this and to make this and i'm doing that so what what gives here right but it's not, you know, you're, I loved how you say balance what they, the individual sees as a compelling, you know, reason versus what the organization does. And in the end, it's, yeah, it's the person that you're trying to connect to. You're not trying to, um, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, just uh, assume that you um, or the business knows even though like the the business does um have a decision on how they want to run their business um but at the end of the day people also it, it's giving them the, the the keyword the compelling reason to change um, yeah it's yeah. kind of like right in selling right there has to be a reason to buy yeah right and, yeah. and 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 like there's got to be a compelling reason to buy otherwise i'm just going to keep walking by right right um 
like I have to ask this, like I'm really interested. I'm, I, you know, because again, the other part, the the second layer of you, like having like discussions with clients, like that is so key. It's like people come to you with a problem, and if you were just selling to solutions, you'd be like, oh, you need a course. Okay, this is how we could build a course for you, and this is what we could do, and so that's what you need, and you know, here you go. And people would like you because they were you're giving them what they came to you for, and what you you know they thought that you were an expert for, but you weren't really getting to the real symptom or the real heart of the problem. Um, you were just kind of like, kind of taking an order from them. And um, so I'm curious about like some of the questions you may ask, maybe like one the first few questions like that you would ask on like a, maybe a new call. Like if I'm, I'm, a, I'm that manufacturing company, I'm the head of VP of HR, global L&D leader, and I'm coming to you. I got this problem, Megan, this is my problem. What are some of the questions you like to ask, um, you know, first, first, you know, first time prospective clients to get to the, the heart of, of the issue? Oh, this is good. I should be writing down and taking notes as we do this. We'll be, um, we'll, you'll be listening, hopefully. We'll, we'll use this for other, other L&D people when this launches. You know, I think, um, you know, there's some, some questions. So usually somebody brings a problem. So they describe yeah. their problem, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And then some of the questions around, like, look, why is that a problem? How do you know it's a problem? Yeah, that's a great right? one. How, how do you measure the impacts of that problem? Um, and what would it mean to have that problem solved? Right? And how will you measure that? Um, and and all too often in, in learning and development, you know, one of the measures of success is that people complete the course. And great, that's that's. Often, but not always, a leading indicator of success. Um, but the you know the real measure is, is I can do my job better, and it has an impact on the business. So those are some of the questions um, that we start with, just kind of starting to to identify the the problem space. Um, we look at goals. I like to look at um, three different layers on the goal. Right. So what's the organization's goal here? Right. Um, the organization's goal is that. Um, Maybe, maybe we're training salespeople, right? The organization's goal is that the salespeople sell more or more expensive or they cross-sell or they move a particular product, right? That's the organization's goal. The learner's goal, the salesperson's goal is that they meet their targets, that they don't feel embarrassed when somebody asks them a question they can't answer, right? Like we get into some deep stuff too, right? Um, and ideally there's an overlap between the organization's goal and the learner's goal, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. If there's not an overlap, it's probably not a thing that training can solve. I'll just put it right. If the, if the organization's goals and the learner's goals, if there's no overlap, training if is probably- going to do their own thing, you know, yeah. like people yeah, are going right. in different directions and that's more of an organizational development, you know, yeah, issue. Yeah, right. I mean, you have a culture problem, you have a hiring culture, problem, yeah, you have a process problem, yeah. you have like lots of problems. Those are other things. <laughs> You can force training at it. It's just an expensive and ineffective way of doing it. And have you turned down opportunities where you've seen that at play? I have convinced people that training may not be the right solution. Okay. Here. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. And then well, there's a third you. layer on that goal, though, and that's what the training team wants. Ah. Okay. Right? Or whoever that, like, what do we want out of the training problem project? And sometimes it's we want to reduce the amount of time we spend in training, or we want to yeah. in collect more data about training, or we want to represent the training team in a positive light um, so that people will come back for more or whatever, right? And so 
The training team's goals wouldn't exist if the organization and the learners didn't have goals. But sometimes we get way too wrapped up in the training team's goals and lose sight of those organization and learner goals. So those are really important. And that overlap is really important. Wow. And by the way, the organization's goal is never to make a 30-minute e-learning course. Right? It's to, build a, it's to improve business performance. Yeah. So that's one of the conversations we have a lot. Even yeah. when they call you up and say, hey, Megan, I want you to make me a 30-minute e-learning course. No, you don't. Do you find that people um, that you're working with, uh, clients, do they know their organizational uh, like goals and how they relate to, to training? And... <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, so we have what we call a learning project ignition session in which we, okay. we start with goals and we do learner personas and then we do a, um, uh, a process called action mapping that we borrow yeah. from Kathy Moore, who's a fantastic author and, and thinker in our space. Um, and it's so funny that you ask, like, do people know their goals? So they often have goals coming yeah. in. Yeah. Usually in that three hour, three to six hour, depending on the scale of the project, ignition session, we, I'll say fine tune those goals. Sometimes it's very different goals, but we fine tune those goals. Um, we learn more about the learners and more about what we need people to be doing as a result. Yeah. Okay? yeah. Um, that we find that that in and of itself helps organizations think differently about their problems and their challenges ahead. And it's, it's, it's a, a remarkable session um, that um, it's really, it borrows a lot from design thinking techniques and, um, and really helps align a project on what we need to do at the end of it. And that's Alex, the part where we often find that training is not the solution. And I did once, at the end of one of those sessions, we had been hired to build a quarter of a million dollar wow. suite of e-learning courses. And at the end, we decided that, no, this was not the solution. And we saved that company a quarter of a million dollars. The only person unhappy walking out. And, and we saved my team, right? Like a huge heartache of a yeah. problem. That was, yeah. right? That's a problem that's a, a project that's doomed to fail, right? The only one bummed about that was our sales guy. Because yeah, commission. Right? <laughs> so, but I, I, I bet though that that, like, that's not the last time you've ever talked to that client. You know that that they have a relation, a special relationship. Because a lot of companies would have taken that money and gone for it, and maybe been in for a world of hurt. And and you know, like, and and then it launches, and then you know, there's like, you know, stumbles along the way, and then you're blamed at the end, and then it's it's no one's happy, right? But then. You know, maybe there is something that they could use you for eventually that is a training problem. And and somebody that respects them enough to, like, just put on their consultant hat and just go through that process and real, like, I can't remember, like, four hours to, or three hours, six hours sometimes. Like, I, I'm meeting with people for 30 minutes, like, on a discovery call, and, and that's never always enough, and I'm always doing discovery. Um, but that's... I just feel like like that's again, you know, uh, putting on this, you know, selling with a human approach. You're you're thinking long term and caring about their success, not about a transaction for you, right? Um so I mean, you know, kind of like wrapping up, what are you know, um like maybe uh, I, I'd be curious to you know you're thinking of like um, on the other side like your clients right they're up against a lot of change like what do you th see are the key things that like instructional designers like are are trying like 
like, um, you know, many people don't know the role of, they know that there's a tra- some trainer at their company, <laughs> but they don't know what does an instructional designer do? Like, what, what, what is that person doing? And what are they doing to kind of, um, again, do some of these things and, and really, um, you know, connect with like their audiences below them and maybe uh, above them? Like, what are some of those key things you think? Yeah, you know, instructional designers and the training team and, and everybody's organization is um, they're they're your partners, right? Um, I mean, if you think about it, right? So you're 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 doing a job, and you're you know, say you 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 have a, a desk job and you use a computer a lot, right? And if your computer is slow, you're not going to be able to do your job really well. Or if your computer doesn't have the right software, and so you have to go like cobble something together and kind of make it work, copy and paste, you know. And, and, and so in that situation, right, what we do is we get you a better computer with the right software and all of a sudden you can be more effective, right? And, and a lot of times what we're doing instructional design is the same thing with people's skills. We're figuring out what skills they do have, what they don't have, and, and um, bringing in the, the learning, you know, either finding learning programs or building learning programs or connecting people with um, experts in the organization if it's a one-on-one or a coaching kind of situation in order to help that human, right, um, build the skills and, and adopt the right behaviors in order to perform on the job, right? Um, this is a, in most, in most aspects of our economy right now, right, especially in the U.S., we do not have enough skilled people to do the work that needs to be done. Okay? And so getting, when you have great people, being able to upskill them and, and, and bring them along as the business changes, your needs change, um, figure out where their skills are, where their skills need to be, and then bridge that gap is huge. Um, within an organization, they're also looking at like across a career, what does that learning map look like? Right. What are you doing with new hires? Um, how are you connecting um, that, that you know, that you're bringing in people from the outside? How do you connect them with what they're supposed to do um, as they then start building skills and building specialties um, and, and building capabilities? So there's those functional skills, uh, how to make widget X, right? But then there's also those people skills and um, it, we call them human skills, 21st century skills, like communication and influence and personal presence, right? Um, and then those things all pulled together become, um, right? Then we have emerging leaders and leadership skills and management skills and all of that. Um, and then as we get higher in the organization um, with, with leaders, we then start talking about not the specific skills of how to manage a particular situation, but how do I manage situations? How do I troubleshoot? How do I take care of myself and stress management, communication, and, and effectiveness? So um, there's so many different places in which instructional designers are partnering with their businesses. They're partnering with the talent development and HR organizations in order to make sure that just like we want to have the computers and the the, the machines ho- well-honed, um, we need to get those people well-honed in order to, to produce and sing and work together. Wow. I, I, I can imagine, I, yeah, you know, just on like a daily basis, like how many people like, so they're, they're the ones like really taking the, you know, training from like a, that hiring manager, or that HR person, or that talent development person, and really 
um, you know, putting it in a format that really speaks to that individual and speaks to like and connects like, again, asking those questions like what are the what's the end goal here? What's the outcome we're driving? What do we want people to do after taking this course? Like, because I can't I, I'm sure there's, you know, if an, an instructional designer is listening to this, the amount of times people say, I just need a course. I just need you to make this PowerPoint for me, um, you know, here's what I need you to talk about. It needs to be 10 slides and they're getting directed by their, you know, their partner, um, in this thing, but it's just, you know, like, I'm sure it's, it's tough to like, you know, kind of push back and say, okay, you know, okay, like that's great, but you know, help me understand a little bit about why or what we're driving towards. And maybe we don't need that. Maybe we do, maybe we need it to be this, that we don't need it to be an hour or five hour course. And maybe it could be a five minute or maybe it shouldn't be five minutes. It should be 30 and that sort of thing. They're, they're having those discussions, um, all the time, right? Well, like, and, and here's the thing, I'll do a shout out for all the instructional designers who might be listening or for anybody who knows one, right? I mean, it's like, Alex, in your work, right? Sales is a skill. It is something you've honed and you have learned and there's techniques and there's a science behind it. And right. it's not, it's not as easy as it looks, no. right? No. It's just like, well, gosh, I'm learning it. from it. I'm, I'm, I'm still not at a level, like I'm never going to be at a level where I mastered sales, you know? Right. So. And, and yet somebody could say, Alex, you just talk on, uh, you're on zoom all day with people, right? Like how hard can that be? Like a day full of zoom calls. I can do that. Right. And a lot of times people look at instructional design, and like it just looks like some nice PowerPoints or some nice PowerPoints online. And well, I can do that. And no, just like sales, there is art and technique and software design and, and, and instructional design and science all behind it also. So it's a lot harder than it looks. I imagine like some like, uh, uh, instructional designers are like, yeah, like I'm, I need to take some courses over here on selling or persuasion or influence or whatever. And, and, and to, you know, like do some of the things you were saying, like asking some of those questions and, you know, finding out again, what, what is the compelling reason for that hiring manager to to even look, if you truly believe that this person is making you do something that is heading your learners into a intersection and will get run over, <laughs> then you need, it's your responsibility and almost duty, right? To ask the questions, to find a compelling reason, because let's just, you know, say it like it is. Unfortunately, there's a lot of like instructional designers working for organizations where it's just, the the consensus is just not in the side on the side of instructional design or you know they're they're walk it's a higher it's a higher mountain to climb or a, a bigger barrier to entry right when when someone looks at your role as just you're the training person just you know you're you're the delivery person you're the create you're 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 who i go to to make my powerpoints look good that's a lot different than someone's like no you know i need you you are like I can't do my job without you, um, organization. Like you are a vital part of our business, and like we're going to help support you in any way possible. That's totally different than the person who's, you know, really trying to like bring about like organizational change or you know, big time change. So, any advice for those people that are in a situation that are, I mean, you know, some you have to get out, but like that might be a little more challenging um, to you know convince people to maybe look at a different approach. You know, I think you're onto something here, Alex. Um, 
because I forgot to tell you about my side hustle. Um, okay. My side hustle, uh, I, I, I teach um, psychology and leadership, um, wow, or the psychology nice. of leadership. I don't teach psychology. Um, and women's executive leadership uh, wow. at eCornell. And so something you said made me realize that sales is an essential skill for leaders, yeah. right? And, and for people getting ahead, right? Um, negotiation, um, personal president, presence, persuasion, right? All of these things are really essential skills as we advance in our careers and try to um, do the right things in our job and to get other people to go along with the right things in our jobs. Yeah, yeah, so true, so well said. Uh, Megan, I could certainly talk to you for a long time. I love like your energy. I, I see why you're the, the chief energy officer at the organization. If you're watching this on a video, you'll see my you know, smiles. Megan's just constantly been smiling the whole time. Um, but, you know, we do have to kind of wrap things up. You know, just kind of wrapping this up, I, I, I always like to like think every individual I speak with, they have this u- unique thing that is just so totally them that, you know, connects them to, you know, the outside world. So it's a fun question, Megan. So I always ask my guests this. So Megan, to the title, Stories of Selling Human, like the, the human that you are, if I asked your, you know, people closest to you, you know, your family, your loved ones, your, your kids even, something that is just so totally Megan that like would only and could only happen to you, something that only you do, or maybe a situation that could only happen to you, what would they tell me, Megan? And this has stumped many of people, but think about like, you know what, they'd be like, you know what, Megan, this is, that that's that's so totally her. What, what, what do you think would be one of the first things that they would say to me? You know, it's funny because um, the first thing that came to mind is that like, I'm the person who waves my hands and get people like all excited about a thing, right? Oh, Both the people yeah. coming in and then the people who are implementing whatever that, right? And then um, I, I work with fantastic people who can actually like put fingers to keyboard and make it happen. Um, and uh, at the same time today, one of my all time um, uh, heroes, Julie Dirksen, um, uh, who's an author and a, a learning and development thinker, uh, described me as someone who could take complex subjects and make them simple and practical. And I thought, oh, like that's what I aspire to. So uh, waving my hands and making think- things practical. Yeah. Well, if I ever meet Julie in person, I'll say, I had like Megan's waving her hands while she's telling me a compliment about you. That's so totally Megan. Well, um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Megan. Um, as always, hope to see you at the next conference. I'm at uh, L&D conference. Where can people connect with you, find more about you and what you do and um, stay stay up with what you're up to? Couple of places. So torrentsoning.com is a good place just to, to come out to the company. Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn uh, and I've got a new book out on uh, data and analytics for instructional designers. So um, now I'm on Amazon too. So that's pretty exciting. Well, well, I have to write a good um, good review on Amazon, and I'll put all of it in the show notes. Megan Torrance, it's been such a pleasure, as always, to talk to you. That's been fantastic. See you soon. Thanks. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. 
Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.